0: I'm just going to stand up here looking really awkward until you all stop talking. Um, but there you go. Good morning. How are you all doing? Cool. It's nice to see everybody. I've been away for a couple of weeks, not on holiday, but I've just not been around. And it's kind of like Feel like I've not seen you all for a while, it's nice. Um, and for those of you that are new or um, not been around for a while, I'm the jazz that you need to see if you'd like to get baptised on Easter Sunday or if you'd like to come to the Alpha Holy Spirit Day Away, which is just a beautiful time of encountering the Holy Spirit together. So if you, have, you, know, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, what he does, uh, how he shows up in your life, do join us on that day, we'd love to have you with us. But as you know, uh, we are in the middle of, uh, and we're at the end today, of a very small mini-series of two weeks. Uh, Barney kicked it off last week, and it's a series of uh, Pursuing God. And I get the the joy of sharing more this week on that whole whole area. Pursuing God. We at Ashford, we as part of Gateway, want to pursue God in all that he is and all that he's got in store for us as the people of God. And Buddy reminded us that in the in that month of prayer that we had in January, that we had lots of prophetic words uh, that were shared. But some of the key ones that came through were about us being in a new season of digging deeper with God, of going further with God, being more aware of his presence. And we were reminded that it's time to seek the Lord. It is time. And it's a choice that we make. It's a choice that we step into uh, seeking God. It's not something that's done to us against our will. We actively have to choose to step in to seek God together. And uh, as we do, God is faithful. He shows up. He reveals more. And as we have more revelation of who he is, our desire to love and to, to serve Jesus more also grows. It's kind of like self, you know, self, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It just kind of feeds, each other, feeds itself. We don't get to a certain level of knowing God and then it kind of stops. There is always more. Even this morning, right now, on this particular Sunday, there is more. But sadly, I do think that many of us get to a certain level with our walk in God and we kind of just stop. We kind of stagnate. Life creeps in and stuff begins to happen. And I get that. And ultimately, we have just enough of God... But anything more might impact us too much. And to be honest, I want to be impacted too much by God. I really do. And I loved a phrase, it was a a throwaway phrase that Barney used last week. And it was something like, um, we want to get in the way of God. You know, I want to be in God's way. I want to receive more of what he's got for us. As Christians, we have an extraordinary call upon our lives. I say it all of the time. As the people of God, we are made in the image of God, and we are called to image God to the world. Our lives reflect something of the nature of God to absolutely everybody around us. When we understand who we are and lay a hold of it, we begin to break past of any limitations that we've kind of set upon ourselves and also any limitations that people have set over us. When we pursue God and walk in our identity, we are actually more free. God never wants to restrict us. He hasn't got like a a level where that's all you can get to. There is always more. And today we're going to look at a passage which really speaks about freedom and uh, hopefully it will all begin to make sense. So I'm in Romans 8 today and I'm going to start at verse 12. Just a tiny little bit of Romans 8, verse 12. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. In this passage, we are being reminded of who we are, our identity as children of God. It's a passage about freedom, as I've said, no longer being bound by, by chains or fears, chains being limits, no longer slaves, but free, free children of God children with an inheritance act more freely. And this one little phrase in that whole passage that I just read to you that I'm gonna focus on. One little, one little bit, three words, adoption to sonship. First of all, I'm gonna look at adoption. Many of you know here, you all know that um, Tim and I adopted two boys just over 17 years ago now. Uh, and when Noah and JJ arrived into our family, everything changed for us. Um, suddenly we were parents, but actually the change for the boys was much bigger. They were born in Leeds, so they, they you know, from Yorkshire, and uh, they had, they'd already had a, a variety of foster carers as well, but they were six and four when they came to us. so They'd, they'd had quite a journey before they even got to us. They arrived as tiny little things. I remember it really clearly, December the 2nd, and uh, they sort of walked in, and everything in their world changed. They had a new mum and dad, fair enough. They suddenly got new aunts and uncles. They got new grandparents. They got a whole church family that they weren't even expecting. Then, you know, their address changed, uh, the routines changed, even the food changed, everything changed. And, um, and it, was, it was a huge deal. But actually, do you know what? Very quickly, they like became part of the Potter family. There was like no real visible trace of the fact they'd ever been anywhere else. And it didn't take long, except for their very dodgy Yorkshire accents. <laughs> and, um, but even then, it didn't take long for them to lose their accents. It was only a few weeks. And they then proper had proper South London accents in it. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> sweet cheeks. <laughs> just said sweet cheeks? Oh my goodness. Sweet. Sorry? No, don't <laughs> Whatever. Um, but it didn't take long to pick up the r- routines. And as the years have gone past, they have indeed become more like us. And sometimes I listen to some of the things they say and I laugh because they sound just like you know, things that Tim and I would say, the phrases that we would use. They're so obviously our sons. And many of you have commented to me over the, over the, the while that you've come to know me that actually... We didn't even realize they're adopted. They're so much like you. They, you know, they behave like you. They, they act like, I don't know, whatever. But they're, they're like us. You know that they're, pot, they're Potter boys. Um, but also, they're 20 and 22 now. Stuff from their past still comes up. They didn't have a great start. That's the truth. And stuff still rises up, and we still have to work through it. And it is still a journey for us as a family and for them. But when it comes to adoption, when you adopt a child in this country, it is a legally binding matter. The child takes on the brand new surname and they become part of your family forever. They're given brand new birth certificates. I remember the day that we took the boys to court and we came home with brand new birth certificates. The boys love their certificates. They love, uh, and it forms part of their identity. Back in biblical times, adoption was also a very serious matter, but a different matter. First of all, I'm just going to say that if you were part of the Jewish culture, there was no process of adoption in place because basically if the head of the family died, the dad died, then the brother then kind of subsumed the rest of the family into his family. So there was no need for formal adoption. The kind of adoption that Paul is talking about here in this passage is the Roman uh, form of adoption, which is actually incredibly powerful. In Roman times, if a child was born biologically, The parents actually had the option of disowning the child for all sorts of reasons, and I'm not gonna go into how and why they did that, but there's a variety of reasons why they could do that. Maybe the child wasn't the right gender, maybe they didn't want to feed another mouth, maybe the child was born with some form of disability that they didn't want in their home. All sorts of reasons why the child, but it was like an option. They were allowed to disown the child. But the relationship between So therefore, it's not a permanent relationship. However, if a child was adopted in Roman culture, it meant that first of all, the child was freely chosen by the parents. This child was desired by the new parents. Secondly, it meant that the child would be a permanent part of the family. Parents couldn't disown the child that they had adopted. An adopted child receives a new identity. So any former debts, any prior commitments, any other responsibilities were all erased, and new rights and responsibilities were given to the child. Inevitably, you adopted it into a social class, uh, uh, probably into a, an upper social class. Of the day, poor people couldn't adopt, but rich people could. But once you are adopted, it also meant that you got an inheritance. And in ancient Rome, the concept of inheritance was part of life, not something that began at death. Being adopted made someone an heir to their father, joint sharers in all his possessions, and fully united to him. But let's think about what this Roman concept of adoption that Paul is trying to communicate here means for us today. Because actually, it doesn't, you know, being adopted by God the Father is actually more than being just part of his creation. Because what Paul is saying is that you are chosen by God. You're chosen. He desires you. He wants you. That's the relationship that he has. Also, that the relationship is permanent. That your father is not going to disown you. Paul's theology of the spirit of adoption essentially doubles up on the power and significance of God's fatherhood. It is a constant reminder that we are fully desired, and fully loved and that we get to a brand new identity in Jesus and that we were created for something else. And even now, right now, we are heirs to God, co-heirs of Christ. And so we're able to cry out, Abba, Father, from the very core of our being. And a further a fuller reading of Romans 8 um, would show us that our nature as adopted sons and daughters of God is intimately bound up in the salvation that Jesus won for us. It is through Jesus himself, the son of God, that we are brought into sonship. So I said adopted to sonship. And it's a funny old phrase, isn't it, sonship? Because all the girls in the room, all the women in the room are like, son? And I'm like, well, actually, yes, you are. Uh, It's all right. The men get called the bride of Christ. It's fine. But, But yes, you are. And let me try and explain this a little bit. When my dad died when I was super young, my dad wasn't mean, but he couldn't leave me an inheritance. He just couldn't, because the Indian culture dictated that the inheritance is just left to the sons. So my brothers got you know got the share of the, the property and stuff, but I wasn't allowed. That wasn't a horrible thing. It's just that you know eventually at some point, the expectation is that I'd get married and become part of my husband's family, and they weren't going to lose the wealth from their own family. It needed to stay in the main family. And that's just how it works. And not just in Indian culture, in many cultures around the world, even today. And so when the Bible calls me a son, when God tells me I'm one of his sons, he's basically saying, because you qualify, you get an inheritance too. That's so cool, isn't it? We, we've we all got something in God. Over the past... Um, Years, uh, one of our sons—I'll let you work out which one. Well, since he turned eighteen, um, he often likes to check in with us that there is an inheritance for him. <laughs> it's, it's a reasonably regular feature in, in, in some of the conversation that takes place at home, um, and he not like. Well, mum, mum, mum. When you die, dad dies, <laughs> you are going to leave us the house. And then you can see him mentally planning all well, half the house, and and I'll, and then um, yeah, and then um, my brother can look after me. You know, you can see the plans that go. When I say that he regularly checks in, I'm not saying like once or twice a year. I'm talking about three or four times a day. (Laughter) <laughs> And we often just look at him and just go, no, we are going to leave it to the cat's home. And, um, and that's it. But he knows. He knows that we're going to leave it. Uh, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, just to be clear. But, um, but what is the heart behind that question? He knows that as an adult now, that actually he's 18, we actually, as parents, don't have a legal obligation to him. You know, he's vulnerable because he kind of came into our family. And there's no legal paperwork that says, you get to stay part of our family. Of course we love our boys. Of course we're going to leave them something. Of course we are going to love them until the day that we die, because that's a choice that we've made. They're part of our lives. But actually, there's a little bit of vulnerability there, a little bit of insecurity there that he's got to work through. But I wonder, I wonder if today, some of you have never really grasped that you are actually a child of God. That once you said to Jesus that He is, um, that you said yes to Jesus, that there's no changing your relationship, there's no changing your status. That no matter how experienced you get in the things of God, no matter how well you know your Bible, no matter how old you get. You will, in fact, always be a child of God. That's like your position, your identity. That is who you are. God has no legal obligation towards you. He he chose you yesterday. He chooses you today. And he will choose you tomorrow and all of the days that are ever to be. You are chosen. Romans considered that the um, concept of inheritance was part of life and not something that began in death. I said that already. The same is true of us. We don't need to wait till we're physically dead to begin to receive. We can begin to receive now by walking in our true identity as the children of God. People who are called, people who are set apart, and people who are made holy. This is our true identity. if we are called to pursue God and walk in our identity, and knowing that we're children of God, and which is of vital importance, how do we do this? We do this, there's only one way, by choosing to step into God, by being filled with the Spirit. We can't even say yes to Jesus, we can't even say Jesus is Lord, and mean it unless we're filled with the Spirit of God. And we have a responsibility to choose to being filled, choose to go on being filled and being filled every single day. But what is the discipline of being filled? What does it actually mean? Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't something that just is a one-time event that happens at maybe, maybe when you first got saved or maybe when um, you were at some big meeting and there was like a call and you responded. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an active, everyday choice that you make. It's an active, everyday choice thing that you do where you step in the way of God, where you ask for more of him. When the spirit of God fills you, we begin to make sense of verses like John 14, which tells us that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. With Jesus, we live in a different spiritual realm, which is not this world. We actually have a different address, if that makes, you know, if, if that's the best way of describing it. We don't live here. As men and women of God, we are called to be in a relationship with him. The relation is two-way. Two You're asking God for more and more capacity to be with him. I've no desire this morning to give you tools to do, things to do. I've no desire to tell you, oh, read your Bible more or pray more or worship more. Because do you know what? They're just a tick-box tick box exercise. That's just the work You know, I can give you all of those things to do and they're useful disciplines and I would hope that you are doing them and I'd hope that your desire is growing in doing them. But actually, our first and foremost desire is to love God, to worship him and to be with him. And out of that, we do all of the other stuff where we grow even more. I read a brilliant quote a couple of weeks ago and I've been using it just about everywhere I've been over the last couple of weeks. It absolutely has made sense for me. Occasionally, you get a a quote that just kind of nails it. Um, This is from Bernard of Clairvaux, a 12th century French abbot. Um, And this is what it says. The one who is wise, therefore, will see his life as more like a reservoir than a canal. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives. The reservoir retains the water till it is filled, then discharges the overflow without loss to itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. You too must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. Do not try to be more generous than God. There is so much in that quote, and really it's got way more, uh, way more in it than I've got time to unpack it. But essentially, we aren't called to live with having just enough. Just enough for the next thing. That's not living in freedom. That's living in, uh, in, that's striving. That's work. That's hard work. That is stressful. We're called to live in the overflow. And that the spending the time with God, actually receiving from him, filling up your reservoir, is actually real self-care. You could pick up any self book, self-help book, whatever you like on, and watch anything you like on YouTube to work out how to do X, Y, or Z. But actually real self-care, the real looking after who you are is actually concerning your heart and your relationship with God and spending time with him. We need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that actually it's out of the overflow that we do the stuff. It's out of the overflow that we parent. It's out of the overflow that we serve on a Sunday morning. It's out of the overflow that we go to work and we are great employees. It's out of the overflow that we are good friends and that we are good neighbors. It's out of the overflow that we begin to serve a community and see a community transformed for Jesus. Not out of the, I've just got enough, and I'm just going to give you a little bit, and then I've got to go back again. We want to be generous People who give out of the overflow. Therefore, we have a responsibility to spend time with Jesus. That's not hard. He loves you and he meets you exactly where you're at. The creator of the universe who holds all things which is outside of the physical, outside of time and outside of space, knows you intimately and has equipped (laughs) you with every spiritual blessing to see his kingdom come here on earth. We have a call. We've been given a mandate, and it's way more than we realize. So today, be so filled. Now, in a moment, we're going to worship again, and we're going to enjoy the presence of God. Just open yourself up. Be willing to receive from him. Get in his way and uh, enjoy him. Enjoy the freedom that Jesus has won for you. Enjoy the fact that you are known. Enjoy the fact that when you were brushing your hair this morning, some of you, brushing your hair this morning that he knew how many hairs fell out because he he knows the number of hairs on your head and that's the detail the level that that he knows you at (coughs) when you walk out of here i'd want people to look at you and wonder where you have been because your faces reflect the glory of god so i'm going to ask the band to come back up now i'm just going to pray for us as we begin to worship to begin to encounter Jesus. Father, we are just so delighted to be your children. We're so delighted that we, oh, our identity is in you. That no matter how old we get, no matter how much head knowledge we know, we never stop being your child and as we come now to worship you again we want to we want to encounter you more than anything else in this world we want our lives to be transformed by you by your presence so holy spirit now come give us capacity to worship you let songs rise from within us let worship come from deep within as we encounter you now amen